Good morning, church. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship together at Faith Community United Methodist Church. It's good to be with you this morning. I'd encourage you to find the attendance pads that are in the pews and fill those out. Pass them to those worshiping beside you this morning so that we have a record of your presence here with us in worship this morning. As you do that, make sure that you note the attendance uh, or the announcement sheet that is in your bulletin, uh, some things that are coming up. Uh, particularly the fact that on June 5th, our Sunday morning schedule is changing. As of June 5th, we will just have one worship service. It'll be here in the sanctuary at 10.30, and uh, Sunday school will begin at 9.15. So uh, if you're in Sunday school class, you want to be here for your class at 9.15, in uh, here for worship at 10.30 beginning on June 5th. Also that day is Pentecost. We're going to have a Pentecost uh, celebration, lunch, following worship that day in the fellowship hall. I hope you, that you'll all stay for that. We're, it's going to be the last Sunday that our Chance of Fire is singing for this season, and we're going to celebrate them and all of the other musicians of this church, the, the praise band, and all that have given of their musical talents to bless our worship throughout this season, throughout this year. So I hope you join us after worship for lunch on June 5th. We are here this morning to offer God our worship and praise. Let us be in a spirit of worship as the choir presents the music of the intro. Please stand if you are able and let us join together in the call to worship which is printed in the bulletin and also on the screen. Come to this place of prayer. God is calling us. Come all who are burdened. There is healing here. Let voices of praise greet the one who calls us. Be glad together and sing for joy. Our hearts respond with hope for a new day. Our voices join in thankful prayers and praise. God reigns among us and fills the world with light. We are invited to make our home with the living God. Let us join in singing together forward through the ages. It's number 555 in the hymnals.
Please join with me in the opening prayer, printed in the bulletin and on the screen. God of love and peace, whose healing word is offered to every person and group and nation, we long to hear and see and feel your presence with us. Send your Holy Spirit to overpower our excuses, lend new perspective to our troubled thoughts, and equip us to walk into the future with courage. Reign among us that we may proclaim good news to all who need it. Amen. I'm going to invite Julie Wickline up. She's uh, going to recognize our graduates. Do you want this mic? You can go up there if you want. I'm more comfortable with something in front of me. <laughs> so, so today we do want to recognize some um, wonderful accomplishments by a couple members of our church. Um, Sierra Horney, if you would like to come on up forward. And is Samuel Johnson here? I know he, oh, there he is, yay, I knew he was coming. So as these two are coming up, I want to also um, recognize Carolyn Engel. She's not able to be with us today, but Carolyn graduated with her master's degree in speech and language pathology from Indiana State University recently, and she's in the process of accepting a position with the Avon Indiana School Corporation. And I know she's very excited to begin her professional career at Sycamore Elementary School, where she will provide services for um, grades K through 4. And I just want to think about the good she is going to be able to do with those little children. That's going to be a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, her parents um, will be hosting a graduation party for her next Sunday on May 28th from 11 to 2 in the community center, and all are welcome to attend. So it will be good to see Carolyn. I told her I'm so happy for her, and at the same time, I'm sad that we won't get to see her. She's been a, a delight to have in our church for so many years um, as she kind of relocates over there to Indiana where she's going to do good work. So I want to recognize her, but I also want to recognize these two. Um, they also have had some uh, incredible accomplishments in their education. We'll first start with Samuel, and Samuel just recently graduated from the University of Dayton, and Sam, you want to come and tell him what you're going to do next? Hi, everybody. Uh, I, want, I graduated with a degree in history, and I'm hoping to spend the next year maybe being a substitute teacher at the high school, and then I'm going to move out to L.A. to pursue theater and just the performing arts in general. I bet Samuel will be used next year for sure. <laughs> Substitute teachers are in high, high demand. So, and I, I had the pleasure of having Samuel in school um, or in um, Sunday school in K through two. That's a couple years ago, wasn't it, Samuel? <laughs> and um, and he taught then. He taught me things. So he's going to be fabulous. Sierra Lynn Horney is um, re uh, just this week graduated from Cedarville High School, uh, Cedar Cliff, technically, <laughs> and um, also she graduated from the Greene County Career Center. Um, she has some exciting things coming up, so I'm going to let her share those with you. 
Hello. I'm planning on attending Mount Union, which is up in Alliance, Ohio, and studying exercise science, hopefully on the track to go to and become a physical therapist. And so being at the Career Center got me a, definitely a head start on that and hoping to either. Tell them what you're going to do in the winter. Oh, I'm also playing basketball at Mount Union. So I'm very excited for that and excited to be on a new team and in a different environment. Very excited for that. <laughs> And because um, Sierra's mom is one of my very, very dearest friends from, we always say, since we were three years old, except for the year in middle school when we hated each other, <laughs> um, I've known Cece since the day she was born, and I cannot believe she's graduating. It just doesn't seem right. But it's a, it's a great time for you guys, um, just incredible accomplishments, and we're so excited for your future. After church, we will have a little reception for our graduates, so please stop by and join us for, for a little bite to eat and a, and a little, little sip of punch. And um, also, we have some gifts on behalf of the church that we're going to be giving these. So thank you so much. Congratulations. We want to, of course, remember these graduates in our prayers today and in the days to come and in the months to come as they pursue their goals and that uh, they would have God's grace and guidance upon them as they do that. We're going to turn now to our prayer hymn, which is number 723 in the hymnal. Shall we gather at the river? We're going to sing verses 1, 2, and 3.
Oh Lord, we thank you for that water of life that flows from Christ, that by which you have washed each one of us and cleansed us and invited us into your pathway, into your fellowship. And we thank you for the call that you have placed upon us through that washing, preparing us to be your servants, your hands and your feet in this world. We thank you particularly this morning for the young ones of this church and for the graduates, the young adults that we celebrate this morning who have completed one step of their journey but are just beginning another one. And we thank you, Lord, for all that they have accomplished, for the gifts and talents and strengths you have given them up until this day. And we thank you for those that are going to continue with them and to grow within them and to be used by them for your purposes in this world. We pray, Lord, that you will continue to strengthen their hearts and their minds, their faith, their service to you in all that they do. And we pray that this would be true of each one of us, that in each moment we would be submitted to your Holy Spirit, that you can work your gifts and your graces in us and through us for the good of this church family, for the good of this community around us, and for the healing of this world. We pray for your Holy Spirit to be upon us, Lord, that you would guide us in all things. And we pray this in Jesus' name, as we offer to you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We continue to worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings as the ushers come to wait upon us.
Please join me in the prayer of dedication. For the hospitality of your good earth, for the people you have given us to love, for the tasks you have called us to do, we give thanks, gracious God. Our offerings are a measure of our faith and an evidence of our gratitude. We dedicate ourselves with our gifts that your reign of light may be realized in the places where we live and work and far beyond our personal reach. Amen. Please be seated.
Our scripture lesson for today is from the book of Acts, chapter 16, reading verses 9 through 15. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We therefore set sail for, from Tros and took a straight course to Semithrace the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate of, by the river, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. A few, a few months ago, my wife Laura had a checkup appointment with her doctor. Usually on days when she has a doctor's appointment, she works from home that day, and that was the case on that day. I happened to notice that she was still sitting at her desk working, at about 10 minutes before she was supposed to be at the doctor's office. I said, don't you have a doctor's appointment in 10 minutes? By the way, her doctor's office is 20 minutes away. She said, oh my gosh, I forgot. She, she shot up out of her chair, she got ready as quickly as she could, she ran out the door five minutes before she was supposed to be at an appointment 20 minutes away. Now I'm not saying whether or not she would have broken any speed laws that day, if she could have. But speeding was not an option that day, whether she wanted to or not. First, she was following behind a school bus. And then when she got out from behind the school bus, she got stuck behind a cement truck. In her frustration, she pray prayed, why God, why? It occurred to her that oftentimes when she is running late like that, there's a good reason for it. And I don't mean an explanation for it, like failing to set an alarm. I mean a divine reason. Sometimes God has appointments set for us that we don't know about. She was mindful of that that day and praying that that would be the case. And sure enough, it was. When she got to the doctor's office, there was a young man trying to help his elderly mother into the building. The woman could not walk on her own and her son was struggling to support her. There were plenty of other people around who could see what was happening, but not one of them was offering any kind of help. Laura, despite the fact that she was already quite late for her doctor's appointment, realized that this was why she was late, so that she could go into the medical building and get a wheelchair to bring out for this lady so that her son could get her into the building. Laura had an appointment to keep that morning, and it wasn't just the one with her doctor. Paul had an appointment to keep. 
The thing is, he didn't know where or when or with whom that appointment was set to take place. As it turns out, the appointment was with a woman named Lydia, and it was set to happen on a Sabbath day next to the river outside the gates of Philippi. Paul didn't know about that appointment with Lydia in Philippi until it happened. Prior to going to Philippi, Paul had intended to go the other direction. Not in a Jonah running away from Nineveh kind of a way. Paul was not running from God. Paul was being a faithful servant of God, but sometimes being a faithful servant of God takes you in a direction that you did not anticipate going. That was the case with Paul in Acts chapter 16. Our reading for today begins with Paul hearing a call to go and spread the word in Macedonia. If I had planned ahead better, our reading would have started three verses before that. As it is, our reading is from the lectionary. I've been, ever since Easter, I've been preaching from the lectionary. And the lectionary reading begins with the, the vision by which Paul was called to go into Macedonia. But just before that, Paul had been planning and trying to spread the gospel in the other direction. And his plans had been foiled all along the way. Verse 6 says that he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak a word in Asia. Verse 7 says they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. What is up here? Why would the Holy Spirit forbid him from preaching in Asia? Why would the Spirit of Jesus prevent him from going into Bithynia? When we come to our reading for today, we find out the answer. The Holy Spirit stopped him from ministering in those places because Paul had an appointment to keep in Philippi. An appointment which he didn't know about yet. It wasn't on his calendar, but it was on God's calendar. God had it planned out for Paul to be there at that time to preach the word to Lydia and to start the church in Philippi, which meant that Paul couldn't be anywhere else in the world at that time which meant that when he was planning on going somewhere else, the Holy Spirit stopped him. Even though they seemed like good and faithful plans, the Holy Spirit stopped him because they weren't God's plans. God had an appointment for him to keep. And where the Holy Spirit says to go, you go. In the call to Macedonia, the Holy Spirit worked through a vision. Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia pleading for him to come over and help the people there. Help them with what? The man in the vision didn't say. Who was this man? He didn't say that either. Paul didn't know him. But Paul knew this vision was a sign from God that he was to go and proclaim the word of the gospel in Macedonia, the opposite direction from where he had planned on going. So he went, because where the Holy Spirit says go, you go. But before hearing that call to go to Macedonia, Paul was in position to hear and to respond to that call only because God had already foiled his previous plans twice over, first by forbidding him to preach in Asia and then by preventing him from going into Bithynia. How did the Holy Spirit do that? Acts doesn't tell us that. 
Was there a, a booming voice from heaven commanding Paul, thou shalt not speak a word in this place? Were there cherubim and seraphim with flaming swords blocking the road to Bithynia? I suspect it wasn't anything as dramatic as that. It could have been, but I can't imagine Luke would have neglected to put those details in the story if that's what happened. I expect it was more of what we would usually chalk up to circumstances beyond his control. Perhaps as he was passing through Asia, he caught a bad case of laryngitis. He couldn't speak a word there. Perhaps no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't find anyone to give him passage to Bithynia. These are the kinds of things that thwart our otherwise well-meaning plans all the time. A sudden illness, a visa that doesn't come through, a canceled flight, getting stuck behind a cement truck when you're already 10 minutes late. Things that cause us to shake our heads and say, isn't that always the way? Things that frustrate us and, and cause us to curse our bad luck. Paul didn't curse his bad luck. He didn't shake his head and, and blame the universe for being against him. He didn't call these things mere circumstances or coincidences. He called it the work of the Holy Spirit. How could he be so assured that it was the Holy Spirit preventing him from carrying out his plans? Because he was wholeheartedly committing himself to serving God. So if he wasn't successful in the specific plans he had in mind, then it must mean that God had something different in mind for him to do. And that is exactly what we see in our Bible passage for today. But how often do we see it in our own lives when things don't work out as we have planned? Well, I'll, I'll confess that my first instinct is not to say, I guess the Holy Spirit has something different in mind for me. My first instinct is usually to get irritated, frustrated. Maybe Paul got irritated too. He, he seems like the kind of guy who would easily get bent out of shape from time to time. But upon reflection, he knew that it was God. That, that should be the goal for us, too. That upon reflection, we can see the hand of God. Even through the difficulties, even through the frustrations, even when we're doing our best to serve God, but our best doesn't seem to be good enough and our efforts don't appear to be paying off. To be able, even in those moments, to reflect and to realize that the Holy Spirit is still in control. If you are submitted to God, then you can trust the Holy Spirit to put you where you need to be, right when you need to be there. Paul needed to be next to that river outside of Philippi on that Sabbath day. Because that's where his meeting with Lydia was to take place. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, had joined Paul at this point in his mission. In verse 11, he says, we set sail, meaning that he, Luke, the author, went with Paul and Timothy to Philippi. In verse 12, he says, we remained in the city some days. Verse 13, he says, on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer. 
The word translated place of prayer is the same word for synagogue. This was Paul's method anytime he went to a new town to proclaim the gospel. He went first to the synagogue on the Sabbath day so that he could proclaim the message first to the Jews. That's where Paul intended to go that day, to the synagogue. In Philippi, though, at that time, there was no building where the Jews met for their service. Instead, they would gather by the river for prayer. Just as the church exists anywhere that believers gather in Jesus' name, so too a synagogue was any place where Jews gathered for the worship of Yahweh. However, it only takes two or three people gathered in Christ's name to make a church, but it took ten Jewish men gathered together to make a synagogue. That's why Luke says we supposed there was a place of prayer there. They thought they were going to the synagogue, but when they got there, they did not find ten Jewish men gathered for prayer. What they found were a bunch of women. That does not constitute a synagogue. It was just a supposed place of prayer, not a real synagogue. That, too, was an act of the Holy Spirit. Because if there had been ten Jewish men there on that Sabbath day, then they would have gone ahead with their service, and Paul might have been able to proclaim the gospel as he often did in the synagogues. But his entire discussion that day would have been with the men. The, the women, they might have been able to listen from a distance. That's probably why they gathered there on the Sabbath, so that they could listen and worship from a distance. But all of the interaction would have been limited to the men. But Paul didn't have an appointment with any of the men that day. He had an appointment with Lydia. So just as the Holy Spirit had prevented Paul from going into Bithynia and directed him instead to Macedonia, so too the Holy Spirit kept the Jewish men away from the place of prayer that day so that Lydia could have this meeting with Paul. Lydia could hear the word of the gospel and be saved. Lydia could be baptized and have the first church of Philippi founded in her house. The Holy Spirit kept the Jewish men away that day because he had a plan to work through this Gentile woman instead. Lydia, Luke tells us, was a dealer in purple cloth this indicates that she was a woman of some independent means. There's no mention in the story anywhere of a husband. Her home is referred to as her home. Her household is referred to as her household. She had her own home, her own business. Whether she herself was upper class, she certainly rubbed elbows with the upper class on a regular basis. They would have been the consumers of the purple cloth she was dealing purple clothing being a sign of power and wealth, they would have been her clients. Lydia was well-connected. Thyatira, the city from which she came, was famous for their textile industry. That's probably where she got started in her business and then brought her craft with her across the sea to Philippi. But there's something I never realized before about Thyatira that I learned this week from looking at an atlas to get an idea of where this was all taking place. Thyatira, the city from which Lydia came, 
is right in the middle of the territory where Paul was forbidden from speaking by the Holy Spirit. If she had not emigrated, she could not have heard the gospel because Paul was unable to speak when he went through her hometown. Lydia may have thought that she had moved to Philippi because it was a good business opportunity for her, but that is not why she was in Philippi. Lydia was in Philippi because the Holy Spirit put her in Philippi because she had an appointment to keep with Paul there and a church to found there. It was in Lydia's house that the Philippian church first came into existence. She may not have known it at the time. She didn't even know who the Holy Spirit was at the time. But the reason Lydia moved to Philippi is because the Holy Spirit told her to move to Philippi. And wherever the Holy Spirit tells you to go, you go. I was born and raised in Cincinnati. I went to college in Dayton. I went to seminary in Columbus. While I was in seminary, I used to joke that since I seemed to be continually moving north, my first appointment was bound to be in Toledo. When it was time for my first appointment, I received a phone call from Reverend Bob Ball. He said, I'm the superintendent of the Toledo district. <laughs> of course you are. Thankfully, he didn't take me all the way to Toledo. He put me in Bowling Green, of which I said, well, at least it's 20 minutes closer to the rest of the world than Toledo. My first sermon there was entitled, You Want Me to Go Where? Turns out, though, it was the perfect appointment for me. I loved the town of Bowling Green. I loved the church. Five years later, when I was being ordained as a full elder, I asked the district superintendent not to move me. I, I told her that I loved it in Bowling Green. I loved my position there. I wanted to stay put. She assured me that I could. Two months later, she moved me to Toledo. I wasn't happy about it, but I had made a commitment. I had committed to itinerant ministry, and when I did so, I committed that I was going to trust the appointment process, that wherever I was appointed, I was going to trust that that's where God wanted me. But honestly, I was miserable in Toledo. I, I didn't fit into the church there. I didn't feel called to what I was doing there. I didn't understand why God had put me there. I had this conversation with my new district superintendent. She knew how I was feeling, that I was probably going to request a move the next summer. Unexpectedly, mid-year, an appointment opened up in West Carrollton. And because of the conversation I had had with my DS, she knew that I was the one for that appointment. And when she called and told me about it, I immediately knew, yes, this is where God is calling me. She never would have thought of me for that church if we hadn't had that conversation. And we never would have had that conversation if I had stayed put and stayed comfortable in Bowling Green, which is what I had in mind to do. That's why the Holy Spirit prevented me from staying put and staying comfortable because he had an appointment for me to keep somewhere else. An appointment which neither I nor anyone else on earth knew about at the time, but which God had already written on the calendar. When we're going through those uncomfortable times, when things don't go according to our plans, we don't have to be happy about it. That wouldn't be realistic. 
those seven months I was in Toledo, I was very unhappy about it. And there have been periods of time since then that have been even longer than that and far more difficult. But always, always, God was in it, preparing me and lining me up for the next thing he had planned. I'm sure that Paul was not happy about not being able to speak in Asia and not being able to go into Bithynia. But he trusted that the Holy Spirit was in it, and he remained submitted to God. You don't have to be happy when you're already running late and you get stuck behind a cement truck. It's not realistic that you would celebrate when circumstances seem to be stacked up against you and you're unable to accomplish what you have in mind to do. But maybe, maybe you can be reminded in that moment that God has an appointment for you to keep. And you can remain submitted to him and trust him to get you there just at the right time to do what he has in mind for you to do. Amen? Amen. Our closing hymn is in the hymnal at number 333. I'm going to sing when the Spirit says sing. There's just uh, one verse printed with the uh, music there, but there are four verses, and each one just uh, one word changes. Uh, so that's uh, beneath the music there. So the first time through, it's I'm going to sing when the Spirit says sing, then I'm going to pray when the Spirit says pray, I'm going to moan when the Spirit says moan, and I'm going to shout when the Spirit says shout. I invite you to stand up as you're able, and let us sing together. As we go from this place, may we remain submitted to God so that we can go wherever the Spirit says go and do whatever the Spirit says do. Go in the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.